Amen, amen, and amen some more. How many of you love to worship? I, I love it. I love it. It is, thank you, my friend. I, I, I absolutely love entering into God's presence and feeling his spirit. It's just an incredibly peaceful moment for me. It's just very cathartic. It makes me feel relaxed. It makes me feel excited. Um, I know about you, but when I was a kid, we would get really excited before we would go do something. I grew up in church, so I was a part of a youth group, and when we would plan it, like Cedar Point. Anybody ever been to Cedar Point? You guys are definitely closer to Kings Island, right? But uh, Cedar Point's awesome. And, and the excitement that would build in it, and as I get older, I think the excitement for roller coasters decreases a little bit. Just a little bit, and, and I think our stomachs do that to us. But it, you, you know what has happened is I get this general excitement when Sunday's coming around. Because I like it when I'm forced to shut everything else off for a moment and just focus on him. No phone, no TV, no radio, no nothing. Just worship in me and God, and I look forward to that immensely, and it gets me excited. So this morning, I want to, uh, we're going to start a series. It's about a three or four week series, depending on how long-winded I get, but it, it, it's a series on David, and I'm fascinated by David because David, <clears throat> if you follow his life, it's incredible. It, it, it is really an incredible walk and in, in, in how this goes. And so we're going to start in, in the book of 1 Samuel this morning in uh, chapter 17. If you want to open up your Bibles with me this morning, if you brought it. Um, 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to start at verse 4. And it says, a champion named Goliath, who is from Gath, came to the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits in a span. He had a bronze helmet in his, on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze, weighing a thousand shekels, 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze, bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod. And the iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning, and Father, I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase, that my words would not be spoken, yours would. Holy Spirit, go before me, prepare the hearts and minds of the people that are here to hear it. Be with us this morning. Take over this service. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. So I'm fascinated by this. There's, there's a couple of different thoughts on the actual height of Goliath. There are some trains of thought that, that say he is upwards to nine feet tall. There are others that believe he was seven feet tall. Either way, compared to the rest of the people, Walking around, average height was five foot five. So if he's only seven feet tall, he's still two feet taller than everybody else. The weights, I looked it up. I did the math. The tip of his spear 
the iron tip of his spear weighed 15.70796432727 pounds. Almost 16 pounds, just the tip of his spear. His armor, just his, his breastplate, the thing that he put on, his shirt, weighed 125 pounds. This is a big man. This is a large individual. This is not your average size bear, okay? This is a, this is a big man. And this man was born and raised to do one thing, and it was to fight. He was raised for one purpose, one goal, and that was to use his size, his strength, and everything that he learned throughout his life to fight battles. Okay? That's who the enemy is. Okay? So right now, this morning, I don't know who your enemy is. I don't know if he's seven feet tall. I don't know if he's nine feet tall. I don't know. It could be a stack of bills. It could be medical bills. It could be your Goliath. It, it could be a sickness, a diagnosis from a doctor. It could be your Goliath. Either way you look at it, it's big and it's scary. Amen? You ever, you ever face something like that? You ever, you ever, you ever walk into the room and, and realize that what you're walking into, you're getting ready to face your Goliath. He was a formidable, formidable foe. Formidable foe. Say that five times fast. He was a formidable foe. He was a frightening individual. This, any person that would go out to have battle with this would have a reason to be afraid. Jumping ahead to verse 34 and 35 in 1 Samuel 17, it says, But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, I struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. I'm a big Animal Planet fan. I like Animal Planet. It's a TV channel. There's a show on that called I Was Prey. That's the name of the show. I turned it on. There was a guy that was attacked by a bear. And as he explained this, he had no defense. There was nothing he could do to stop this bear from attacking him, except play dead. He laid still. Bear ran off. He gets away. Poor guy got torn to shreds by this bear. So when I read this, and I think, were the bears smaller back then? Right? Were they not as mean? Like, did they have tea parties? What are we doing here? How can this guy, a guy, attack a bear for any reason? I can't think of any good reason that would make me want to attack a bear. None whatsoever. Maybe 
if this said bear was attacking my family, but if it was, that would be my fault because I took my family somewhere where there were bears, right? I mean, let's be realistic. My wife tells a story of when she was a kid, her dad would take them camping in Cook's Forest, Pennsylvania, and he would pour bacon grease on a tree stump to try to lure the bears in. I hear this story and I'm like, have you seen a bear? Do you understand what bears do? They eat meat. I have news for you. You are meat. You are on the menu, okay? And I hear this story and I think of David. And so at the time, he's maybe a teenager. Okay, so you chalk it up to that. I've known teenagers for a long time, and some of them are dumb enough to believe that they could tackle a bear. Okay, I was that teenager, right? I was that guy. Even then, in reading this story, don't think I would snatch a bear up by his hair. Sounds crazy to me. And I hear this story and I think, well, well, no wonder he's confident. Right, he's already killed a bear. No wonder he believes Goliath is, he's not afraid. He's not afraid of him. Verse 36, it says, your servant has killed both a lion and a bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the bear and the lion, from the paw of the bear and the paw of the lion, will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So as he stands there, and he's looking at the king, who was no slouch of a human, he was over six feet tall, Again, we go back to what the average height of, man, of, of, of the average man was back then, is five foot five. They weren't very tall. But Saul stood head and shoulders. And you think, you think Saul's looking at this 20-something who claims, right? He claims he killed a bear and a lion. An awful good story, kid. You snatched it up by its beard, did you? There's one version, I think the King James Version says, I snatched him by his beard. There's something different about that, right? It's like I didn't grab the hair on the scruff of his neck. No, I grabbed the hair right under his mouth. I wonder he's not afraid of this guy. He's killed a bear. Fascinating. So how does he know? How does he know? How does he know when he's standing before the king and he says to him, he looks at him in his face and he says, this is not a problem. This guy, he needs to be quiet. And I'm going to go make him be quiet. And somebody else should have done this a long time ago. You can hear this cocky, young, right? Mm. Oh, to be young again, right? To have that belief system that it doesn't matter what this giant says, it doesn't, he doesn't know who he's messing with. That's David's mentality. 
I want to give you a picture of this young kid. His mentality, he does not believe that he is going to do anything. He believes God's going to do it through him. He had faith and believed in God because God had delivered him in the past. He knows what he's seen. So when you, when you read this story, it's, it's a lot less awe-inspiring to me because he's done it before. He's seen God intervene before. The average man cannot grab a beard by the beard of his chin, beard of his chin, and kill it. That's not, okay, maybe if it was six weeks old. But you don't grab a full-grown beard, bear by the beard, and kill it. Okay, that just doesn't happen. So he's, he's got that in his past, and he's saying, you know what, if God can deliver me from that, this? Come on. Let's go handle this. In 1746, or 48 and 49, it says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him. I want you to read this next line because it's, it's, it's clear. David ran quickly toward the battle line. He did not sit back and wait. He didn't stand back and watch this big, ogre, giant, mean, villain. He didn't wait. Now he ran right at him. He said, you know what? Let's get this over with. And he took off running. And he ran. He stuck his hand in his pouch and he pulled out a little rock. Church, have you ever been in a place where it felt like the weapon you had wasn't big enough? You ever been in a place where you felt like, I, I, this isn't enough. What I'm getting ready to face is too big. I need more. I need bigger, stronger, faster. I need it all. David took his sling, and it's not slingshots like we think of today. Like if I say slingshot to my son, uh, my son who's, well, he's a grown man now. But if you say slingshot to your son, he thinks of this Y-shaped thing where you pull it back, right? Whing. They didn't have rubber bands back then. It slings leather straps with a little loop at the end of it. You would stick a stone in that, and you would swing it around in a circle. And you would get it going as fast as you could, and you would let it go. He carried a leather strap and five little rocks into battle with a giant that had armor on that weighed 125 pounds. The tip of his spear, was just the tip of his spear was 15 pounds. And he's running at him with a leather strap. Can you imagine Goliath seeing him run at him like, what are you going to do? You going to spank me with that belt? What are you going to do, little man? Imagine the confidence of the giant. You ever been in that place where you're, you're, you're looking at what you're getting ready to battle? 
and it isn't afraid. And it has all the confidence in the world. And all you got is a leather strap and a couple of rocks. And God says, that's enough. You know why it was enough? You know why it was enough? Because God is always enough. He's always enough. Always. It's never a question of whether or not God wins. I've read the end of the book. I cheated. I skipped ahead and I read the end. I read the last page. God wins. We win. Ha. Amen? I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes it hurts, this life. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes, sometimes we face giants. Sometimes we do. Verses 51 through 53, David ran and stood over him took a hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it. After he killed him, he cut off his head. When the Philistines saw this, their hero was dead. They turned and ran. The men of Israel and Judah surged. They surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath. Ran them all the way home. Ran them all the way home into the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sharam Road and Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. So God said, You know what? You got a giant you got to deal with. Not only am I going to let you slay this giant. Not only am I going to let you take him down, not only am I I going to allow you in front of everyone to remove this giant's head, but then I'm going to allow you to take all their stuff. That spear that weighed 15 pounds took three of them, but they carried it off. Melted it down and made it into something cool. They took their stuff. God said, you know what? Not only am I going to let you beat this giant, but I'm going to let you have all their stuff to boot. You see, sometimes we face a giant, and that giant could be cancer. I told you my story last week. And as, as, as you stand there before that giant, and, and, and everything just keeps coming, and it doesn't feel like it ever stops. And as you stand there, and you're facing that giant, God says, stop standing, run. Don't run away. Run to it. I'm bigger, better, we win. And David had no problem with that at this time in his life. He had no issue with that. As a young man, he was used of God multiple times. Anybody who reads this story can look back and say, okay, God protected him from the lion, which is frightening. God protected him from a bear. I had to pick by being eaten, but my wife and I had this conversation the other day. This tells you anything about my wife and I. What would you rather be eaten by, a mountain lion or a bear? 
And we had this conversation, and my wife said, I'd rather be eaten by a mountain lion because a bear just eats you to do- it just doesn't, it just eats. It doesn't care where it starts, it doesn't care where it stops, it's gonna eat until it's gone. It doesn't matter. I said I choose neither. Please and thank you. But you look at David's life, God was with him through this every process, every step of the way God was with him through this. And when he faces the giant, before he goes out, he's looking at the king like, you've got to be kidding me. Let's go take care of this. This is not, I'll be back. And he takes off running. In Scripture, it says Saul tried to give him his armor. But David was too little. He couldn't even move. My granddaughters will put my shoes on occasionally. It's the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. A two-and-a-half-year-old child with my shoes on, walking around like this, trying to stay balanced, and she can't. And it's the funniest thing you've ever seen. Can you imagine David putting on Saul's armor? A guy five foot five inches tall, putting on a guy that's six foot six, putting on his armor. When I was a young man, I played football. I was a football player. I was much more round. The same height, but I was big around. And I, I found a shirt. It was, I, was a big, I was a bigger guy, to say the very least. It was a 4X shirt. And I put it on, and it's like, wow, I used to fit in this thing. You can't move when stuff doesn't fit right. One of my favorite movies of all time is The Christmas Story, and it's when... She dresses the boy to go out in the frozen tundra, right? And he can't put his arms down. And his arms are like this. I can't imagine David trying to put on this armor and trying to do anything. David's like, no, let me be me. Can I just be me? Saul? Can I just be who God made me to be? God's not, God's not asking you to face a giant as someone else. God's not calling you to face whatever you have to face as someone else. He's calling you to do it just the way you are. God made David just like he is. Young, healthy, right? Spry. He can run. It's a good thing. He's running into battle. He slings. He kills him. He's strong enough to cut off the giant's head. God gave him David the size he was with a leather strap and a rock and said, go kill the giant, I'll handle the rest. God's not calling us to do anything as anybody else. There is a, there, there is a, a, a mistake that I think is made by believers. And that's the belief system that I will do once I get here. I remember as a teenager, I remember saying to my wife, what, are, what do you think our kids will look like? We're newly married. What do you think life's going to be like later on down the road? What do you think it's going to be like? How different do you think it's going to be? And our kids are amazing in spite of their father. They are incredible. Three awesome, amazing children. They're going to have to face giants. And God's not calling them to face a giant as anybody else. He doesn't want you to be anybody else. 
want you to be you. He made you perfectly. You're in his image. Think about that. The next time you look in the mirror, because I do it every morning, and it's like, you think God was blind when he made me. He must have been asleep. But the reality is he made me just to be the way I am. He's not asking me for anything crazy. He's not asking me to be anything that I'm not. Yes, we are to strive to be as much like Jesus as we possibly can throughout this. Yes, you should be changing daily. You know who should be the best at change? Us. Because you shouldn't be the same tomorrow as you are today. Because God should be moving and shaping and changing you every day. We should be the best at this. And God is calling you to fight a giant. But he's not calling you to put on anybody else's clothes to go do it. He's clothed you the way you need to be clothed. He's given you the tools you need. He's given you the abilities you need. He's given you everything you need to attack that giant. 1 Samuel 18.9, it says... Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army, and this pleased all the troops. And Saul's officers as well. So God took this, this kid who was given the least job of all. I want you to think about David for a minute. We're picturing who this guy is. He's, he's a young man. He has a father. And his dad gave him the dirtiest, grossest job there is. Okay? Dad said, somebody's got to watch the sheep. So, son, go live outside. That was his job. It doesn't say David complained about it. It doesn't say that David sat there you imagine my father wants me to go sleep outside with smelly, stinky sheep. He wasn't given the keys to the Lamborghini. He wasn't, he wasn't given anything. He was given the sheep. He was given the dirtiest, grossest job there is. Nobody else wanted it. Looks at his son David and says, Bummer, dude, you were born last. Out you go. <laughs> For his birthday, he gave him a stick. <laughs> Shepherd's staff, here you go. Imagine being that kid. He's probably thinking, man, I got the worst job in the world. My dad doesn't like me. That doesn't say that. Doesn't say he ran home after he killed the lion and bear and said, see, dad, you sent me out there. I could have been killed. He doesn't say that. See, sometimes in this life, stuff happens. And we think, because we can't see, we think, this isn't for me. We think that maybe, maybe God doesn't want me here. God doesn't want me to do this. This is hard. Why would God want me to do something hard? Sometimes God wants us to face a giant because he needs glorified. 
It needs to, to there, it, let, let me tell you something, church. I sat in a hospital bed and had a doctor look at me and say, I don't want you and your wife to get your hopes up. You have cancer. I've already ordered the chemo. You have it. God gave me every tool I needed to get through this. His grace is sufficient. It will always be sufficient. Always. Always. Even when you're facing a giant. And it feels like you're losing. You ever been there? You ever been in that place where it feels like you're losing, but God prepared David and in the next coming weeks, we're going to talk about more of David's life. And you're going to see David in a different light. See, the reality is, if David's story stopped here, how amazing, right? What an incredible story. He killed a lion, a bear, a giant. Incredible story, right? What happens next? What else could God have in store for this poor kid? He's a teenager. He fights a lion, a bear, 20-something. He's fighting giants. What in the world could God have in store for this guy that his life is laid out that way? Understand something, that if you're facing giants, it might not just be for you to be a giant slayer. It might be for something later. Let me tell you something, church. People are watching us. This world is watching how we do things. So if you were to ask yourself this question, am I like David at this point in the story? Am I like David? Because he's a, he's a furious leader, right? Ferocious leader. Incredible. Fearless leader, ferocious. Trusted God for everything. That's who David is. At this point of the story, you could look at it and say, this guy has no flaws. Right? At this point, if God came down right here, right now, at this point in Scripture, and said, this, is, this man is a man after my own heart, we would all go, of course. Sure. Of course he is. God was with him with the bear, the lion, the Goliath. Been with him the whole way. After, now he's high up in the army. People respect him. People salute him as he walks by. Good stuff. That's a good man, right? We would all step back and say, yes, this is a man after God's heart. Fearless leader. Not afraid of anything. God says, go do it. He says, yes, let's go. One of the greatest attributes of anyone inside of a church is that willingness to go, right? That willingness to do. Every pastor's dream is to have a, a congregation of people ready to go, ready to move. Look at David right here. Like, yeah, I get it. But he didn't, God didn't say it here. He didn't, he didn't say that here. He waited waited. 
we're going to get into that in the next few weeks. And, and, and I want you to come, and I want you to, 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 with me, look at how life can change And it can feel like we're losing. It can feel like we're just drowning. It can feel like we're not making it. It can feel like life can happen. What kind of leader are you? Are you like, David, at this point, I want to be just like this. I want to be fearless. I want to run. I want to I look at you this morning and tell you that when that doctor told me I had cancer that I ran head on into the... No, <laughs> that would not be true. That would not be the truth. <laughs> I want to be fearless. My desire is to be just like that. I, I want to be fearless. I, I want to be afraid of nothing. I have a very good imagination. It's fascinating. Really? You, you wouldn't want to spend two minutes in my head. I got a great imagination. My mother told me when I was a little boy, my bedroom was in the basement. Anybody ever live in a basement? Mm-hmm. I had a wet basement. Yep, had to wear shoes to bed because when you got out, you'd stand in a puddle. So I lived in the basement, and I was, I was afraid. I would, okay, so you came down to the basement steps, and I would stand at the bottom of the steps because the light, the pull chain light, right, is in the middle of the room. Well, my bed is in the corner, but I know if I turn off that light, that monster that's under the bed is going to grab my feet. So I got to run, pull the chain, and jump in blackness and try to land on the bed. And I was afraid, and my mom told me, she said, Mikey, you have nothing to be afraid of. You have a guardian angel. As soon as she said that, in my little kid brain, I painted this picture. I have, I still do. He's the biggest, I don't know if you all see him or not, he's the biggest dude in the world. He is bigger than Goliath was. And, and I tell you, it, it keeps me from feeling afraid. The reality is, that's God. God wins. God can take down any giant that we face. And we need to be fearless. We don't need to run From our giant, we need to be a ferocious person. We need to run to it. We need to go after it. Are you willing to fight? Are you willing to go to battle? Are you willing to go to war with God? Because the Bible says the spiritual warfare is real. Let's be like David at this stage. Let's be like David. Let's be fearless. Be ferocious. Trust that it's not you. It's not your strength. It's not your power. It's not your weapon. It's his. And he can take a leather strap that the basic use of this thing is to hold pants up nowadays. And he took a leather strap and a rock, and he slayed a giant. David did not do that. God did it. And that's why David was fearless, because he wasn't counting on himself. He wasn't leaning on his own understanding. Sometimes, church, we can't see it. Sometimes we don't understand it. 
There was nothing you could say to me as I laid in that hospital bed that this is a good thing for you. Uh-uh. Sometimes we can't see it. I want to be like David. I want to run fearlessly into battle. I want to be excited. When I read that scripture, I can... They said my imagination's incredible. I can picture this young kid standing there talking to Saul and looking at him like, what are you afraid of? This morning, God is leaning down and looking at you and saying, you have nothing to fear. Nothing. I am here. And that is enough. This morning, church, let's be like David. Let's be like David. Let's trust God that, and know and know that the very next step, he's going to put something there for my foot to land on. There's a difference between faith and trust. If I stood this morning and I had a bow and arrow and I had a bullseye drawn on that map over there, and nine straight times I hit the bullseye. If I asked you at that point, would you have faith and believe that I was going to hit the bullseye the 10th time? Your answer would be? <laughs> you must be a Browns fan. <laughs> you would say yes. You would have faith and believe that I could because I've shown you that I did it nine times before. You know what trust is? Trust is putting the apple on your head and standing under the bullseye. That's the difference. I'm not saying having faith isn't enough, but sometimes we need to put action to it and say, not only do I have faith, but I trust. And that's where David was in this moment. He had faith and believed that God was going to handle the situation. and He trusted him enough to run towards the giant. To run at him, church. Don't lose sight of that. He didn't walk. He didn't hide behind a rock. He did not find a good hiding spot in a tree. He ran at him with a leather strap. Let me tell you something. That's who I want to be. I want to be in the starting blocks, and I want to run. God, go with me. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you this morning, Father, and we are so graciously thankful for everything that you have done. God, for this book that you've given us that we can look at and we can go through and you could teach us about how you operate. God, I'm so thankful for the giants that are in our lives, that you give us every tool we need to slay them. God, this morning, I pray for each and every person that's in this room. I pray, God, that you and you alone will rest on them. And they will know that you are here. And that it's not them fighting the giant, it's you. And we can have all the faith in the world and trust and trust 
that you will complete the task. Help us to be a willing vessel as we go this week, God. Be with us. Help us to be a willing vessel. Let us know when we should speak. Let us know when we should keep silent. Let us know when it's time to go to battle. And help us to have the faith and trust in you to run towards the battle. Be with us as we go. Keep us safe. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Church, God bless you. Be with you this week. Stay safe.